This is Todd from the Junkyard Outreach. Welcome, and thanks for joining me. For more information and episodes, check out junkyardoutreach.com. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. I believe God gives us friends throughout our lives for a variety of reasons. And over the years, I've known and befriended a lot of people, but really only a small number of those people would I consider friends. And I'm cool with the others, but the relationship is pretty shallow, and that's fine with me. I don't have a need for deep relationships with everybody, but to avoid unnecessary drama in my life, I've learned to keep my circle of friends limited to those that I really trust. So my circle is small. But in an effort to keep those friends, I've continually looked at myself and asked, what kind of friend am I? What do my few friends see in me? And are there things about me that jeopardize those friendships? And really zeroing in on the quality of friendship that I bring into a relationship has taught me a couple of things that hopefully can give the listener something to think about. And my take on this topic of friendship is based on what has worked for me and may not work for other listeners. And this is kept me from getting burned or burned out on people while maintaining good friendships. So the one thing that I realized about myself and learned this, it became obvious after a while, is I actually have needs in a friendship, some specific needs. And my needs will differ from others, but realizing that we all have needs and understanding our own needs and how they are met is important if you want to have good friends and be a good friend. If I'm clueless about what I really need in a friendship, then my friendships are going to suffer and I'm going to have friendships that are not really that solid. So for example, one of my needs is trust. I need to know my friends can be trusted and they have my back and I have theirs. That's why men and women who gossip are not in my small circle, because they cannot be trusted. If they're talking about other people's lives and things about their lives that are personal that other people don't need to know about, then you know they're going to be talking about you too. So whatever you share with them that is intimate, that is meant just to be between you, they're going to blab it all over the place. That's the problem with gossip. You can't trust them. So I key in on people who gossip, and I avoid them because it's not safe. You cannot open up and have a good conversation with someone because of their big mouths. And in church, there is no shortage of gossips. And again, driving home the point, I need to make sure I am not one of them because gossip is pretty easy to get wrapped up in. And God has a couple of things to say about gossip. Proverbs sixteen twenty eight: gossip is spread by wicked people and they stir up trouble and break up friendships. Man, isn't that true? Proverbs twenty nineteen: whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. In ancient Corinth, very jacked up city, just a complete mess morally and spiritually. So naturally, when God sets up a church there, there's going to be jacked up people in the church. So reading Paul's second letter to the church at Corinth, we see indeed this church was a mess. Second Corinthians twelve 20, I'm afraid that when I get there, I will find you different from what I would like you to be, and you will find me different from what you would like me to be. I'm afraid that I will find quarreling, jealousy, hot tempers, and selfishness, insults and gossip, pride and disorder. Hmm, church people quarreling, jealous, hot temper, selfish, insulting, gossiping, prideful, and disorderly? No way. So finding friends is something that's not even safe a lot of times in church. We must look at a person's character. And if their character is good, then we have a good starting point. And if it's not good, what's the point of pursuing an in-depth friendship? Now, in ministry, we deal with people who come to Christ and they need help in their relationship with God and walking in faith. And, and that's what we do. 
We'd love to do that. We'd love to share our lives with people and help them do that. And in the case of new believers, this is a great opportunity to hammer home the need for solid character and go to those passages throughout the scriptures that talk about character, like Romans 5.3. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And the hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who's been given to us. Great opportunity to show them the character of God and where they can point their spiritual compass. Developing those real friendships, that takes time, which is another thing. Don't rush into a friendship. Good friendships, they come as sincerity begins to be revealed, and when it does, then slowly developing this friendship may yield a person who ends up in your circle. But just jumping into it, oh, I like this person, they're really cool, you know, and next thing you know, you find out that they're not really cool. We need friends that are good. We need friends that will hold us accountable. We need friends that will watch our backs. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And another translation, friends mean well, even when they hurt you. But when an enemy puts his arm around your shoulder, watch out. There's a time when we need to confront a person. And there's a time when we need to be confronted. And a true friend will confront me because he or she cares enough about me to try to prevent me from self-destructing. And that's the mark of a true friend. They're willing to put their friendship in jeopardy because they love you. My greater good is on their mind. And when I'm wounded by a friend, meaning I deserve to be rebuked and I feel bummed, I actually see them as a real friend, even though I may be angry with them for telling me I'm an idiot, which they're probably right, but still makes me mad. But a good friend will tell you that. They'll say, dude, you're stupid. That's really dumb. What are you talking about that's dumb? No, that's dumb, man. And there are examples of friendships in Scripture that we can learn a lot from. And the primary friendship is between us and God. That's where we can really measure what kind of friend we are. How do we treat God? Are we honest with Him? Are we faithful in our friendship to Him? How do we handle it when we grieve Him? What do we do? You know, this is going to paint a good picture for our friendships. Exodus thirty-three, eleven. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And Moses had a special relationship with God in the Old Testament. He would hear directly from God in a way no one else seemed to. But after the resurrection of Jesus, this type of relationship became available for all children of God. So looking at what type of friend I want to be, I need to look at what type of friend should I be to God. Because he is our standard for friendship. And my needs in friendship should be consistent with my needs in my friendship with God. So a few of those needs are trust, contribution, meaning we both bring something to the relationship, honesty, sincerity, and more. Now, obviously, I need things from God that friends can't supply, like salvation, empowering the Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts, all those types of things. But when we establish a sincere relationship with the Lord, our life is now built on the rock and not the sand. It's a sure foundation. And all friendships should also be built on a solid foundation but they aren't, are they? And as a side note, I have friends that I love and trust who are raunchy unbelievers. They're steeped in the world, but they're men of their word, and they won't throw you under the bus, and they'll watch your back. These are the kind of guys that I trust, and the relationship is built on that trust. That's why I'll likely be friends with these guys till the day I die, because I can trust them. And sadly, in the church, there are a lot of people that are nice, but are completely flaky. They gossip, they back out on agreements, they're unreliable. You know, I'm nice to them, but my trust need sets off a red alert with these people. And I really love some people who are flaky because I have my own flakiness, but I won't develop a deep relationship with them if they can't be trusted. And that doesn't mean that I don't minister to them. That's not what I'm talking about. We minister to everyone we can. But when it comes to those tight friendships, you're entrusting someone that can hurt you, especially with flaky people. So keep them at a distance. You still love them, still treat them right, but at a safe distance so that you won't get burned. Psalm 25, 14, the Lord is the friend of those who obey him and he affirms his covenant with him. It's interesting that friendship that we have with the Lord requires 
obedience. He's a friend of those who obey him. And that obedience is rooted in righteousness. So as John writes in 1 John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. We're not much a friend of God when we're walking in darkness. We're just kind of, you know, yeah, when I need you, I'll call you relationship, which is what a lot of people have. I remember that as an unbeliever. I believed in God, but it was only out of times of desperation that I'd ever cry out to him. And he, interestingly enough, he delivered me out of some crazy stuff, and I just went right back into the world because I was dark. And Jesus dealt with people like this. They didn't want a relationship with him. Rather, they just wanted him to help him out. Like in Luke 12, 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me judge or arbitrator over you? And he said, Take care, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So did Jesus minister to the guy? Yep. How did he do it? He shot him down and rebuked him for his greed. He didn't play games with this guy, and neither should we play games with people who are acting like our friends, but demand things from us. Now, I believe that Jesus was not all up in this guy's face, but nonetheless, he pushes back, and that's how he ministered to the guy. Luke 18, 18, and a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? There's no one good except God. And that shows you right there, his relationship with God was all messed up. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all you have and distribute it to the poor. Get rid of everything, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. So did Jesus minister to this guy? Yep. How did he do it? He gave them the solution. Get rid of your possessions, then come follow me. This is how you're going to inherit eternal life. And for this guy, that was his path to eternal life. This was the solution. But he was so caught up in his earthly wealth that he could not part with it. What was hindering his relationship with God was not disobeying the law. He obeyed the law, but he was greedy, and that greed was the barrier. So Jesus told him exactly what the man asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Here you go. And the guy walks off. And Jesus didn't chase him down going, wait, wait, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make you upset. Maybe we can work on another solution. Nope. Let him walk. And in our friendship, there's a time when we need to be straight up with one another. And that's hard. But if we're truly their friend or they're truly our friends, then we must clear the air and we do so because that is what's right. If we base our friendships on having fun or sharing in a hobby, but we don't have that commitment to call the person out or admit when we have screwed up, that's not a friendship. It's not a true friendship. We all have issues, agendas, secrets, and the way Jesus dealt with these people and confronting the issue directly was the right thing to do. Then he waited for the response. If this man had obeyed Jesus and followed him, what kind of relationship would he have had with Jesus? The same as the other disciples, and that relationship is built on truth and trust, a solid foundation on which friendships last. So as a believer, when I'm introduced to someone and I feel a connection with that person, I try to bring it back to that solid foundation, the rock. Jesus. He is our rock. If that person is a believer, then I can focus our friendship on Jesus and watch how they respond. If they continue to poo-poo the scriptures or prayer or basic biblical principles, then I know that there's going to be problems brewing. There's my starting point. These guys are not serious about prayer, not serious about the scriptures. So I move on from there and I'll try to keep it on the rock. And if they're not willing to stay on the rock, let them walk. If they're not a believer, then I can still use the same approach, just not with all the religious language. I stay on that path of righteousness, and they'll either eat it up or they'll walk. Whatever. It's on them. So for me, I want friends I can trust, those who will not do me wrong and confront me when I'm off the rails. 
my foundation is Jesus because that foundation works so much better than my own foundation, which is so faulty. You rest your hope on him and treat people like he treats you. But also don't be afraid to confront friends when they're out of line. Just make sure beforehand that you're on the right foundation because if you're a jerk and you confront a person for being unreliable, you both have issues and all that's going to do is create a big fight. If you're a jerk, first go to the rock and stay there. The Holy Spirit will begin working in your life and address your issues. And once you're treating your friends like God treats you with love, grace, mercy, and etc., then you are set to establish and maintain a good friendship and confront those who drive you crazy. It's a whole lot easier if you're on the rock. Thank you.